Welcome to Wednesday Night Live on the Mile High Church Podcast. We're glad you're here with us. Online and in-person classes start this week and next week, so check out milehighchurch.org if you're interested. Now, let's get started with a living room conversation, and then Jackie Harris shares her talk, The Game of Life. How are you playing it? Thank you all for tuning in tonight. We're talking about uh, The Game of Life, and... um Good to have Reverend Jackie here giving our talk tonight, and want to, yeah, thank you all for for being a part of uh, Wednesday Night Live here, and um, I know a lot of you are thinking, well, I wonder if he's going to talk about baseball, and of course I am. Uh, Why else would we talk about the game of life if we're going to go for baseball? So um, this hasn't been the, the best season for baseball here in Colorado, and which brings me to the topic of resilience. I think one of the great things that I get uh about baseball is resilience of uh, bouncing back because baseball is a game of failure. Um, the most successful baseball hitters uh, fail about 70% of the time, and so that, but they have to keep bouncing back and they have to keep um, believing in the next at bat and believing in the next opportunity. So I think kind of in this time that, of life that we're in, Resilience is a big part of it, being able to bounce back. We're trying things uh, during COVID, and we're um, experimenting, and we're in a a time of the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen next. And so I think our ability to be resilient, I certainly, uh, uh, a big part of that of uh, working with parents, with kids, and uh, and kids being resilient and being able to bounce back and believe in themselves even when things don't go well. So um, I think that's uh, that's our word for tonight. So I wanted to just talk a little bit with my buddies here about uh, about resilience and uh, what that means to you during COVID time. So I'll start with you, Jackie. Wow. Well, and I think we see that the Nuggets are also resilient. So if we're going to do this sports analogy, um, resilience for me is realizing that I've got to be willing to change because life is changing all the time. And so to be resilient means that I can't allow things to uh, create something in me or even create myself into something that that seems like it's going it's going the right way and when it really isn't so for me resilience is being my authentic self and being willing to be kind of springy almost being able to spring from one place to another and not get myself all wound up about it great great michelle how about for you well it's interesting because i think i agree with reverend jackie as far as not getting caught up in stuff and yet I think it's also important during the times when I do find myself caught up in just the muck and the emotion and just situations, circumstances in life, to me resilience is remembering that I have a toolbox of tools that I can use that I can pull out at any time and lean into my faith, lean into trusting that everything that I'm going through, there's a higher purpose for all of it and being willing to surrender. I think for me, sometimes I get uh, stuck and caught trying to figure it out. And for me, part of resilience is surrendering and trusting and knowing that I am guided through this journey every step of the way. And if I just let go of the needing to know how or what or when, 
then the next perfect right step will unfold and then the next unstep will unfold. And so for me, resilience is about a willingness to keep going forward. You know, that's, that's great. Um, I was thinking about that. We got to get back to baseball, but the, the uh, you know, the thing of, um, you know, letting go of what just happened and of, of focusing on what's happening now. And I think in this, in this uh, situation that we're in of, of being in the unknown, you know, a lot of people want to go back to the way it was. Boy, it's going to be so good when we get back to the way it was. And uh, I don't think we're going to get back to the way it was. I think we're going to get someplace else. And I think letting go of uh, the way it was and opening to the possibility of what we're moving towards now is one of the great things. It's one of the great opportunities that we have. You know, baseball, the relief pitcher that gets that gets knocked off the mound one night, the next night he's back. And he's got to focus on that night and let go of that other stuff that's behind. And I think in the situation that we're in now, uh, we have an opportunity to, to create something in front of us uh, that we've never had before. And I think uh, being able to focus, and that's one of the things I love about this teaching, is that uh, uh, one of the things that uh, Thomas Troward said as principal is not bound by precedent. So what happened before uh, is not what's controlling what's happening now. We have the opportunity to create. So um, yeah, in terms of the idea of focusing forward, what's your take on that? Wow. Well, I think for me, focusing forward, I think that's the only way you can focus. I mean, we can't we can't spend our time in the past because it, what it ev eventually does is it digs a big hole for us to fall into. So I think we have to be excited about the possibilities of the future. And so that's what I, I feel, that, that it always has to move forward. Because if we're not moving somehow, then uh, we're probably not alive because we're going to be moving in one direction or another. So... How about you? I think for me, um, it's letting go of the illusion that everything the way it was, was actually working right. Mm -hmm. You know, and knowing that we get to create where we're moving now and where we're going into. But I think for me, it's also important because I'm such a planner in so many things, so many areas of my life. I'm, you know, looking weeks ahead, months ahead, sometimes years ahead. And for me, it's remembering to not get too far ahead, you know, because especially right now amidst this pandemic, getting too far ahead can feel very discouraging. It's like, well, I don't know if I'll be able to take that trip. Whereas if we're able to come back to the present moment, that's where life is. And for me, I want to practice living my life now versus one day. One day I'll be able to, one day I'll be happy. One day I'll experience this. Well, what am I experiencing right now? And so bringing ourselves back to the present moment, I think is a, just a continual practice of mindfulness. Yeah, that's, you know, there's, when they uh, interview all these uh, sports people on television, they always use the same cliche, which is, we're just playing them one game at a time, you know? And we get really tired of hearing that. But the truth is, that's what we're doing, mm -hmm. what we're doing. We have, uh, we have today, we have the opportunity that's in front of us. We have the uh, situation that's in front of us. And um, so uh, I think we need to bring our focus 
we need to bring our focus there and we need to open to the opportunity for joy mm -hmm. that's in this present moment too even though it doesn't it doesn't seem like it and i think another thing that uh is important i think it's all about energy so the the thing the energy that we bring to any situation we walk into the energy that we bring tonight when we show up here with our music and with our with our speaking and and uh with the way that we uh try to lift each other up when we do something like this. I think it's important, mm -hmm. and I think all of us want to be bringing that good energy into the world because uh, life is good. And when is life good, Michelle? All the time. All That's the, the truth. Okay, so... Uh, <laughs> Thank you, Jennifer. It's beautiful. And I'm thinking I don't really have to do my talk now between the song and what we had in our living room conversation. Many of those points will come out in this evening's talk, and I appreciate that. It's so good to be here with Reverend Michelle and Dr. Barry and all of the production and musicians. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's always a blessing to be able to speak here on a Wednesday night, and I, my topic I chose was the game of life, how are you playing it? And just to give you a little, just a few seconds of background, uh, one of the first times I spoke at Wednesday Night Live, I had a, someone come up to me and said, so when are you going to talk about golf? So just like Reverend Barry is, you know, f kind of fixated on baseball, I'm, I can sometimes be a little fixated on golf. So part of this, you're going to notice, does have a little bit of a golf theme, but I'm going to spare those of you who don't play golf with any real detail about golf. So what I first want to do is have you think about uh, what kind of game you're you feel like you're playing right now? Are you like a jigsaw puzzle with one piece missing and so that beautiful picture that ought to be there is not there? Do you feel like a football player who's being knocked around, tackled, exhausted at the end of a game? Or do you feel like a baseball player who's standing out in right field waiting for something to happen? and that is specifically for Dr. Barry. Or are you a golfer? A golfer who has to stay down the middle, has to make sure they have the fewest shots that they can have in order to get it, the ball into the cup in the fewest strokes so that they can win the game. What do you feel like? Is your game of life fun or tedious right now? And when we think of the times we're in in 2020, and there's so many memes out there about what 2020 will always be remembered as, we've got COVID-19. We've got unprecedented fires in our, in our Western states. We've got horrendous hurricanes in the South and the East to the point that this is only the second time in recorded history since they've been naming hurricanes that they've had to go to the Greek alphabet. So now you're seeing alpha, beta, gamma for the names of hurricanes. And in addition to that, we have economic upheaval, we have social and civil unrest, and then we have a presidential election. Are you feeling like the game of life is fun or tedious for you right now? The pundits, when I was doing this uh, research for this talk, the pundits say that the reason that life got called a game is because it has winners and losers. 
And if you think of every game except the jigsaw puzzle, every game or sport, let's say, that's played, you're always talking about winners and losers. And that's because all of us set certain values, our own personal values on all of these things. And because all of our values are different, the game of life looks different for us. And tonight I'm going to take us down a little different road, but I want to share with you before I move down that road that Einstein said, you have to learn the rules of the game. And then you have to play better than anyone else. And he, that's certainly a winner-loser kind of approach. But what we're going to look at tonight is not so much the game the way we see it as winners and losers. This talk is based on a book that Deepak Chopra wrote many years ago called uh, The um, Golf for Enlightenment, Seven Lessons for the Game of Life. And we're going to talk about four of those lessons um, tonight. If you like what you hear, then you can pick up that book and read it. It's available in Kindle and many other, uh, in, also in paperback and hardback. Um, what I want to tell you is that when Deepak began this, it, he had just started playing golf. That might surprise you, but he just started playing golf, and he was kind of surprised at what he learned about golf, that it was so much more than the mechanics of golf. So he says, in the ancient scriptures of India, the highest wisdom is to see the universe from God's perspective, not as a machine, a work of art, a testing ground for karma, or a vast theater. The sages decided ultimately, life is lila, L-E-E-L-A, a game. Lila is a divine game though, and not a competition, but play for the sheer joy of it. It has the total innocence that comes naturally to young children. And isn't that how we would like the game of life to look? And so I want, I'm going to give you a little homework assignment. I want you, before you go to bed tonight, to close your eyes and try to think back to a moment in your life when you were young and you can remember that joy, that absolute pure joy you had as a child. Mine comes to me immediately. I was in kindergarten, and I can always remember this. We had, we had a maypole, and we, did, we all dressed up in our cute little outfits, and we danced around the maypole. That kindergarten experience that I had was a joy-filled time. And I think each one of us has those moments, and if we could take ourselves back to those moments, then life could be filled with joy. So in this book that uh, Deepak has written, I would just want to tell you that the way it's divided, he tells a story at each chapter is a lesson. And so there's a fable at the beginning of it, and that fable features Leela. She's a young woman. And that young woman, you might think of as a golf coach. And this young man by the name of Adam, isn't that convenient, that Adam is having a crummy golf outing, and Leela shows up and says, oh, well, I can help you with your game. So he starts taking lessons from her, but they're not like any lesson he expected because she's not teaching him the mechanics of the game. 
she's teaching him the psychology of the game. So she's almost like a, uh, a you know, sports psychologist. But she's, she's, it's such an interesting way to tell the story of playing the game of life. And we need to be reminded, as Deepak reminds us, that the uh, universe is always conspiring to have us have something more awesome than we can even imagine, even more than our dreams can be, if we will open to what's available to us. So we're going to talk tonight about these first four lessons, and the first one is perception. And the concept of perception is how all this information, all this data comes into us and how we respond to it. And in that whole concept, an important thing for us to remember is that, that the mind loves opposites. And so when we're calm and unattached to things, we act in a mindful way. When we're resistant and we're attached to the outcomes, we're unmindful. We are always in one of those two states. Think about which one you spend more time in. But the truth of it is that we know that spirit, when we lean on spirit, spirit is there to reconcile what's happening in the mind. We just have to open up to that. So perception is the first thing that we have to be thinking about when we're talking about the game of life. The second thing is when I read it, I thought, wow, okay, we're talking about a game and uh, it's non-doing. Now, how do you play a game and not do? But that's the interesting thing about the concept of non-doing. It's not stopping, it's stopping the struggling that we do in life. If we could learn how to stop the struggling, that's the non-doing. Because if we stop that struggling piece of life, we could move more gracefully, more easily into these difficult times that we find ourselves in. And Deepak says, non-doing happens when you put your trust in a higher intelligence than your individual mind, a higher will than your individual will, and a higher power than your individual power. Non-doing is innocence regained. I love it. Think of children. They don't struggle when they play. They just play. So let's stop struggling. That's the first step into, not, into the practice of non-doing. And once you've stopped the struggle, then do the minimum you need to do and see how, what that looks like. And then you'll be able to allow the answer to come to you. So you've got perception and non-doing. It, it gets you to seeing everything from your core of truth. The third lesson in the book is um, that the, one of the most important things we learn is about the now, which was mentioned, about the present moment. And I just heard something, I'd never heard the present presented this way, and I just heard it recently. The present is the past made manifest now, and the future is the present in utero. 
I think that's really a pretty profound way to look at the now. If we say we want to be here in the now or the present moment. And we have to remember that the now doesn't happen fast. Everybody knows that. If it did, we could just say, wow, I want to be in the present moment right now. But it doesn't happen fast. It happens deep. It happens very deeply within us. And it happens... If, if we try to rush it, if we try to skim the surf, surface instead of going deep, we miss that mysterious power that we can find in the now. So the action steps for you in finding the now is dive deeply into yourself. Then hold still when you get there. And then you'll know what you need to do. And do it. In the Bible, it has a, a passage, knock and the door shall be opened to you. And Deepak says that Jesus was really indicating in that how effortless it is to enter the now once you know that the door is always open. You just have to walk through it and let all that other stuff get out of your way. So perception, non-doing, and entering the present moment or the now. The fourth is uh, li listening to your intuition or what Deepak calls the subtle body. The subtle body is really something that we call our uh, spirit or our soul. It's that part of mystical religions and it is very much a part of shamanism. And it's sort of the, on the outer fringes of our physical reality. We're going to, it, it's, as Deepak says, its specialty is insight, its energy is inspiration. And so we're going to take a little moment here to take a walk. So I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to visualize walking through every room in your house. As you do that, be aware that it's your subtle body that's leading you through those rooms. Trust what you feel rather than what you think. That's the subtle body. And one of the best tools you can use to tap into that subtle body is visualization. Not visioning, visualization, what we just did. Visualizing something that's occurring. Golfers do it all the time. You know that I had to bring up golf. But if you've ever watched a golf match, uh, Jason Day, who is an Australian golfer, stands on the tee box, closes his eyes, and you can see him visualizing where that shot is going to hit out on the fairway. They know that it's more than the mechanics of golf. So much of it is where your mind goes. I believe that's true of all sports that we get too caught in the mechanics that we forget that look how we can use that subtle body to make a difference. There was a great movie out a few years ago that some of you may have seen called The Legend of Bagger Vance. It's based on a book that was written by Stephen Pressfield who also wrote um, The War of Art, which Dr. Roger has used in some of his workshops. It's a great metaphysical golf movie. But it's all about visualizing. Bagger Vance is actually the Leela that we have in, uh, right now in this story of uh, 
Deepox. But Bagger Vance is getting his, his protege, he's actually the caddy, to learn to visualize the perfect, authentic swing when he's playing golf because he's lost his authentic swing because he's lost his ability to think there's anything good in the world. So I encourage you to, to think about that whole notion of visualization. Day by day, give your intuition a little chance to um, uh, do its work by hunches, listening to your hunches, listening to your instincts, and getting rid of the fear and apprehensions that we all tend to have. Deepak says that this will only work, This all four of these plus his other three will only work if you and the game are one. Otherwise, the game will toss you up and down like a leaf. And that's what we see happening when we try to play the game of life as winners and losers. And our founder, Ernest Holmes, says, are we producing the effects we should like to experience? The creative process will go on willy-nilly. We cannot beat nature at its own game, for we are some part of the game she is playing. Shall the results in our lives be a comedy or a tragedy? We are given the will to decide the issue. So remember Leela as you practice these lessons of life. And just this morning I was listening to Jack Cornfield and he says, remember the untrained mind can be harmful in golf and in life. And I added the golf. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Mile High Church podcast. This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners like you. If you'd like to make a donation, please visit us at milehighchurch.org. Have a fabulous day.